build a cactus. They told me it would be nearly impossible to kill a cactus, but I did it. Uh, They said even the worst gardeners in the world, the, the person who is the furthest away from having a green thumb would not be able to kill a cactus. I was in college. We were trying to brighten up our room a little bit to make it seem like it wasn't too disgusting young men who lived in this dorm room, that we were cultured, that we could be clean and sanitary. And so we thought, let's get a plant. And so I inquired about what would the best kind of plant be for someone like myself to get what would be the hardest thing to kill and the easiest thing to take care of. I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to put it on a windowsill, hopefully water it every now and then. And I just I didn't want it to be complicated. I just wanted it to be a plant. They told me a cactus would be unkillable. It was dead in a month. A month. Now, I don't know if that was the, my lack of ability in taking care of a plant that killed it or if it was just the air quality of my dorm room. I don't know. What I learned is that a desert is more hospitable to a cactus than my dorm room was. Apparently, I gave up on plants until I got married. Liz and I tried a few plants, and none of them took, and eventually we bought a piece of bamboo, and it came in this long vase, just this long stick. It's like a foot and a half high. We're like, that's the one. We'll take care of that thing. And, and, and I will say to, to our credit, it didn't die, but it didn't grow. It didn't do anything. It just stayed exactly like it was. The only reason we knew that it was kind of alive is that the water would disappear eventually and we would put more in. It's still, I'm sure, like 20 years later in a landfill, the exact same size. I'm starting to think it might have been a, a piece of plastic bamboo, but we couldn't grow it. We couldn't do anything with it. Fast forward to the present day, perhaps you have heard uh, from prior sermons about my front lawn. We, we purchased a house a few years ago that had no landscaping. It was just dirt, it was rocks. We are like, oh, how hard can this be? This will be fun. It is not fun. And it is hard. And it is expensive. And it is annoying. Um, I, I don't need to walk you through the years of pain and turmoil that we have had while trying to grow a lawn at our house. Our house may have been built on like a toxic dumping ground from years past or something like that because we cannot grow grass on our lawn. Finally, last year, we had a little bit of grass. I actually had to mow it. I mowed the lawn last year and praised the Lord. I was like, yes! And then this year, those bugs got it. You know what I mean? Those stinking bugs! Oh, so mad. So true story, we actually had fresh dirt delivered this week to our house and um we loaded it onto the front lawn. We, I did nothing. Uh, they loaded it onto the front lawn. And uh, just a few days ago, I was putting grass seed in a spreader, and I was walking it across my lawn again one more time. Ninth time's a charm. Putting this grass seed down, and I promise you my neighbors are watching. They're placing bets. My neighbors are at this point, they're like, all right, how long until A, he gets grass on that lawn, or B, he burns his house down and moves to Australia? Because that's going be, to be one of those two things. That's it. Those are the choices that I am left with at this point. So why am I telling you this? Well, one, it's good for my emotional health to share with you about my front lawn. And two, growing things is hard. Agreed? It's hard to grow something. We understand the simple concept that in order for something to grow like a plant, it needs water, it needs sunshine, it needs nutrients, it needs all the right kind of soil, all of the right kinds of things. And so you can help it grow, you can encourage it to grow, you can provide the right things for it to grow, but you cannot make something grow. You can't. 
You can't make something grow. You can buy all of the miracle grow. You can buy all of the fertilizer. You can try all the crazy ideas online. I saw a website this week, True Story, where they were encouraging people to play music for their plants because it inspires growth. Specifically, like classical music will help your plants. No, I will have a dirt lawn for the rest of my life before I sing to my grass. (laughs) It's like, no way. It'll never, it's never going to happen. You can encourage growth and you can support growth, but you absolutely can't make something grow. And that's kind of how the church works, isn't it? That's how it, that's how it feels. As a church, as a pastor, we're here to help you grow. We're here to encourage you in your faith. We're here to provide teaching of God's word, a place to worship, a place to pray, a community to be involved in, uh, areas of service that you can get plugged into. We want to do everything we can to inspire growth and encourage growth and help you to grow. But at the end of the day, your church can't make you grow. I I, I can't make any of you grow in your faith. So a good church can help you grow but it can't make you grow. And today we're going to talk about uh, this broken building series, and we're going to talk about how the church is like a greenhouse. Okay, so we've been in this this series, and each week we're talking about how the church is or isn't like a building. Uh, We started off by saying that the church is not like a museum. We don't live in the past. We, We can't stay in the past. We celebrate it. We're glad for it, but we've got to keep moving ahead into the future. A church whose present looks like it's past, won't ever get to its future, right? And then the week after that, Natalie talked about how the church is like a hospital, meaning that this should be a place for people to show up and find healing. This is a place where imperfect people can come to find what it is they need. It was Jesus who said, I didn't come for healthy people, I came for sick people. And so I'm still amazed when I hear people say, oh, I could never walk through the doors of a church, uh, and I'm not, I'm not good enough. I don't have, welcome. None of us are good enough, right? This is a place for sick people who get better, to find health, to find healing. And last week we talked about how the church is not like a stadium, that this is not supposed to be a whole bunch of people spectating, a smaller group of people doing the work, but we're all actually on the team that is doing the work together, driving the ball down the field so that we can win the game. So this, this is the series that we've been in, and today we're going to talk about how the church is like a greenhouse. Now, as you can already tell, my experience with greenhouses are few and far between. Um, I walked through one the other day. I went to Scott's Nursery for the first time in my life. Felt like a grown-up. Felt wildly out of place, and I walked into the greenhouse, took a few turns, and realized I had no idea where I was or how to get out. See, the tricky part is a giant greenhouse, and the walls all look the same, and the plants all looked the same, and I got very lost very quickly. I was not a big fan of the greenhouse. It got very warm in there. Now, that being said, we all know what a greenhouse is supposed to accomplish. Someone is planting something, they are watering it, they're trying to help it grow, but at the end of the day, they want that thing to leave the greenhouse. Someone's going to buy it, and they're going to plant it somewhere else, and hopefully that's going to work, and it'll actually grow kind of to its best capacity, not in the greenhouse, but outside of the greenhouse. And in the church, it works similarly. You, You should come to a church, you should get planted in a community, planted at a church where we'll help you grow, we'll encourage you to grow. We'll, we'll feed you the best we can. But the goal of the church is to leave the church, right? 
And so we need to leave the church and, and be to such a degree that we're going to bear good fruit that, that's going to produce seeds so that more plants grow and, and we can continue to do the work that is required of us. That's the picture of the church. We come in and we kind of grow up and then we go out and, and then we do our best to bring people in so they can grow up and so they can go out. Plants are designed to multiply and make more plants, correct? Okay. Now, so remember, a church can help you grow, but it cannot make you grow. And so we are kind of like a greenhouse where we're doing our best to encourage you, but at the end of the day, it's going to be up to you to see how your faith flourishes. The problem arises, though, when we're not growing. What do you do when you're stuck, when you're stalled in your faith? What do you do when it feels like your relationship with Jesus isn't going anywhere? You feel like you're at the same spot you were a year ago. It doesn't seem like you're progressing in your walk with Jesus. You're not learning anything. What, what does it do when you're, you're not bearing any fruit? What, what do we mean by that? Like if you buy an apple tree, a sign that it's healthy is that it's making apples, Right? And, and so the Bible says that, that Christians should be bearing fruit and the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our lives. Well, what, what happens when you don't see it? What happens when it feels like we're dry and, and we're stagnant and it's just not getting anywhere? What happens when, when you find people that actually enjoy the safety, warmth, and, and the kind of protected confines of the greenhouse and they don't want to leave? What do we do then? So what, what is the role of the greenhouse when it comes to our growth? How do we grow in our walk with Jesus when we leave this place. We're going to be in Jeremiah 17, if you've got your Bibles. And uh, Jeremiah 17 is essentially a comparison of two different kinds of plants. We're going to start at verse 5. It says, This is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in a barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So we've got this comparison of two different kinds of plants. You, you've got these shrubs in the desert. It says they're stunted, meaning that they stopped growing. And, and, and it's barren. There's no water. Nothing good is happening for these plants in the desert. And then we've got trees that are literally on a riverbank. Their roots are going into the water. And they're healthy all the time. And they are producing good fruit. And, and the Bible is saying that this is really a story of two different kinds of people. This is a story of two different kinds of people. And so how do, we, how do we make sure that we are less like stunted shrubs in the desert and more like trees that are planted on the riverbank? How do we grow when we leave the greenhouse? How do we grow in a way that we're not dependent on what's happening here, but, but we know that we're going to keep growing when we leave? The first thing we can do, you've got to plant yourself wisely. Plant yourself wisely. You, you've got to make sure that you're, you're using the right soil. Right? When you're planting something, you've got to know, is this good dirt? It was, I was amazed the first time someone told me is that we're putting dirt on the lawn. They're like, well, how good a dirt do you want? Is there levels of dirt? Isn't it, isn't it just dirt? It's like, no, 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 there's good dirt, there's bad dirt, and there's the right dirt, and there's the wrong dirt, and there's the expensive dirt. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. 
If you want to plant something so that it flourishes, you've got to plant it in the right place. And so how's the soil and how's the sunshine there? And is this a place that's going to get a lot of water? And so for us, we've got to ask ourselves, our soil is our environment. Where have we planted ourselves and what is happening around us? Who is around us? Is it healthy for us? How are we spending our time? What are we giving ourselves a steady diet of? What you're planted in is really going to end up serving as your foundation. What you're planted in is really going to determine how well you end up growing. See, those shrubs in the desert that were not growing weren't really planted in a place that is interested in growth it, sand is not good soil for planting things in. Scorching sunshine with no water, not really good for planting anything in. Verse 6 referred to it as a barren wilderness. That's not exactly lush and flourishing. Right? It, it all boils down to the environment. And, and, and so sand isn't a good environment to plant things in. Jesus warned us about planting ourselves in sand. He told us a parable about a guy that built his house on the sand, and when storms came, it, it washed the whole place out. Sand is not a foundation. You, you can't put roots into it. There's nothing to grab onto. There's nothing solid there. He says you've got to be careful where you're putting your foundations. You've got to be careful where you're planting ourselves. Where you're planted is how you will grow. And so if you're planted poorly, you're probably not going to grow very well, but if you're planted in a place that's healthy, you're probably going to be pretty healthy. So you need to look at your life right now, and you need, well, man, am I stalled out? Am I not growing? Is there things where I'm, I'm not progressing in my walk with Jesus, and everything just kind of seems stuck right now? The first thing you need to ask yourself is, where am I planted? What's my environment like? What am I surrounding myself with? Right, maybe you need to start with people. Are you surrounded by healthy, encouraging, life-giving people? Is that who you have planted yourself uh, around? Did, are you around people who inspire you to grow in your faith? Are you around people who will call you out and hold you accountable for certain things? Are, are you around people who will light a fire under you when you get slack in your faith? Do you have a friend that is checking on you with the things that they know that you are struggling with? Do you have people that are, will encourage you when you're tempted to bail on the whole thing? Who have you planted yourself with? Who are the people in your life? Scripture tells us that we're more likely to grow with one another than we are in solitude. It was Solomon who said, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We're stronger together. It's iron sharpening iron. We need one another. We have to have this in our life. So ask yourself this, who in my life is helping me build my faith? It's a good question for everyone to think about. Who in my life is helping me build my faith. Now, on the flip side, have you planted yourself in a community of people who are not inspiring you to grow in your faith? Are you constantly around people who are, who are actually more likely to entice you towards sin than away from it? Are you around people who are going to encourage your bad habits than call you out on your bad habits? No, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't be friends with people who don't know Jesus. We all should be friends with people who don't know Jesus. I'm asking yourself, I'm asking, where are you planted? Who are the core people in your life? What is the effect that they're having in your life? 1 Corinthians 15.33 reminds us that bad company corrupts good character. Who are you planted with? Think about culturally. Where are you planted culturally? 
meaning what, what are you giving yourself uh, on a regular basis of TV, of movies, of music, of podcasts, of social media? Is it things that are actually going to develop and strengthen your faith? Are you being challenged by the word? Are you learning new things that are beneficial in your life or not? See, the thing about this is that this is an environment that we get to pick. Plants don't usually pick what soil they're planted in. We, we get to. Now, there will be some environments in your life that you have no choice over. Where you go to school, your workplace, there, there's going to be people that are around you. You're not going to be able to choose your environment and what is said and what is done. You're kind of a passive participant in that. But when you get home, when you're off, when it's your time, what are you choosing to do with that time? Is it helping you grow in your faith or not? I've got a friend this uh, who told me this years ago, I've never forgotten it, he said, the atmosphere, you, uh, the atmosphere you permit is the product you produce. The atmosphere that you permit is the product you produce. You will end up looking like and sounding like whatever it is you have surrounded yourself with. See, what I hear from people sometimes is that they're, they're frustrated with a lack of spiritual growth in their life. I'm not progressing. I, I just don't know what's wrong. They're expecting deep spiritual advice. They're looking for some kind of thing that's going to help them. Everyone's looking for like this spiritual steroid that they can just take that's going to skyrocket their growth. And, and it's really never going to be that. The solution is usually two questions. Who gets your time and what gets your attention? Who's getting your time? And what is getting your attention? Where have you planted yourself? See, the, those shrubs in the desert aren't growing, but the tree by the water is flourishing. Why? Because one is in the desert and one is by the river. None of us have to be very like spectacular green thumbs to realize that that's the way it's going to turn out. One location has everything that is needed for growth, and one location is lacking everything that is needed for growth. So guess what tree is going to grow? You've got to look at your life and make those same decisions. If I want to grow, what kind of atmosphere, what kind of environment have I planted myself in? Your environment is so key. I was watching one of these reality shows a few years ago, and it was, it was one of the weight loss ones, and this guy had a trainer come into his, his house and say, all right, here's all the things we're going to do to help you lose weight and get fit. And this guy was like, all right, let's get to the gym. And she did not go to the gym. She went to the kitchen. And she immediately began throwing so many amazing things into the garbage. Full unopened boxes of little Debbie Swiss rolls, unopened bags of Doritos and cases of Mountain Dew. It was devastating. This guy was in tears. And she said, if you want to get healthy, it won't start at the gym. It'll start where you live. It will start where you spend the most time. Because you can go to the gym for an hour every single day. But if you come back home and your, your cupboards and your pantry and your fridge are filled with junk food, you are going to stay in the exact same shape. She had to improve the environment to help the growth, to encourage the health. She had to improve the environment. And the, the same thing is true for us. You can come to church and, and, and it'll be great. It'll be a spiritually uplifting hour. I hope it is but it's what you do when you go home that's going to make or break your spiritual life. It's not about what's going to happen here. It's about what's going to happen when you go home. I'm glad you're here. I'm very glad you're here today. I hope you come next weekend, and I hope you come the weekend after that. You should be planted in a great church. 
full of great people where you're learning, where the Bible is being preached, where there's chances for you to worship and pray and see one another. It's wonderful. 75 minutes of church today will not sustain you for the next seven days. It will not be enough. It will not carry you through, and you will not grow in your faith. It's good. It's an important thing to do. You should come to church. It's very valuable. A lot of people don't prioritize church and wonder why they don't grow, right? Like, you come to church. It's really good for you to do. But it's what you're planted in when you go home that's really going to determine how your growth looks. Plant yourself wisely. Second thing that we can do to make sure that we grow is to do some weeding. I've discovered that you have to do some weeding along the way when you're trying to grow things. I've learned that I cannot grow grass, but I can grow lots of other things. Things that I did not mean to plant or grow or that I knew were around. I can grow dandelions, you guys. So good at it. Not on my lawn, in my driveway. I can grow dandelions in my driveway. It is a spiritual gift. Uh, The problem is I don't want them in my driveway. The problem is I don't want them anywhere. Ever notice that weeds just show up unannounced and spread real fast? And, and they just kind of get out of control, and you're like, what is this? this is, I didn't invite any of you. And they're so annoying to get rid of. Like, they're really hard to get rid of. And, and the problem with certain kinds of weeds is that they'll actually hinder the growth of the thing you're actually trying to grow. That there are certain kinds of weeds that are, that are actually going to damage whatever it is you're trying to grow. And, and their roots will choke out the roots of the plant that you want to, to see grow and, and you want to have healthy. And they'll kind of outgrow and smother all of the things around them. They're, they're a weed. It's not good. Um, people always like to say, like, oh, healthy things grow. You ever heard people say, oh, healthy things grow? So do unhealthy things. Right? Weeds grow. Tumors grow. My weight grows. Think like it's, it's not good. Sometimes it's bad things that grow too. And, and if you're trying to grow up in your faith, you might actually have some other stuff growing in your life that's not beneficial. You might have things in your life that are actually hindering the growth of what is most important. And they're kind of choking out all of the things that you should be focusing on, all the things that are going to be good and healthy and life-giving. They're actually blocking that growth because you've got some stuff growing up in your life that isn't healthy or positive or life-giving. You might have some habits that are unhealthy. You might have some ways of thinking that are unhealthy. So a question you need to ask yourself today is, what needs to be uprooted in my life? Are there some things in my life that I need to weed out so that I can grow in the places that are most important? And this is tricky because we automatically want to think of the really bad things. We want to think of the, the really obvious things that we know we struggle with, that we know we shouldn't do. We're like, oh, I should stop drinking excessively on the weekends. You're right. I should stop flirting with people who aren't my spouse. I, yeah, yeah, you should. But that might not be the thing, you know, that's obviously a thing you should cut out of your life. I'm talking about some of the sneaky things in your life that don't necessarily appear ugly and dangerous on the surface, but they're actually not good for you. They're actually not healthy for you. Sometimes uprooting uprooting weeds is is tricky like that because appearances can be deceiving. Not every weed looks ugly. I remember a few years ago, um, we had these massive white flowers growing all up and down our street, and they were huge. They were like three feet tall and, and just bloomed everywhere, fields of white flowers. I was like, well, that's not too bad. Not a bad look for Pentiac. We could use some white flowers. It was great. Um, turns out it's vicious hogweed that'll burn your skin off. 
right? It's, apparently, it's, it doesn't look like a plant that wants to kill you, but it will. And it was this awful, vicious stuff, and you touch it, it's going to be ugly. Some of your habits, some of the weeds that are in your life that might be prohibiting growth, they might not look so ugly and obvious on the surface. They, they might look like pretty things, but you still might need to uproot them. You still might need to weed them out. Do you know that even good things can be bad things? Right? It's possible if you prioritize them improperly, if they get out of control in your life, if they turn into something that is unhealthy for you, even good things can become bad things. God warned us about this. Anything that takes his place in our life as the first priority is an idol. And it's not good for us. Money is great and also can be bad. Right? Having fun is great and also can be bad. Your family is great. It can also be bad. Anything that becomes a priority over God in your life is something that you might have to do some weeding with. You might have to do some uprooting of some of the habits that you've developed in your life that aren't good. Um, the passage talks about these shrubs in the desert. He's comparing them to people who have placed their trust in man, people that are relying on their own human strength. Neither one of those things seem bad on the surface. Trusting people, that's good. We should all strive to be trustworthy. I trust the people that I'm closest with. Relying on human strength, we should all be striving to get stronger emotionally and mentally and spiritually, even physically. Those things aren't bad things. It's just, according to our passage, they got to a point where they became bad things. These people were trusting man instead of God. They were relying on themselves instead of God. It was a good thing that turned into a bad thing, depending on how they were using it in their life. And so a lot of what the world considers a success are the same things the Bible warns us about. So you have to, might have to do some pretty deep introspection in your life. Are there things hindering me from growing up in my faith that I need to uproot, even if they seem good? Are they in the way? Are they stalling my growth? Uh, and again, maybe, maybe it's the way that you, you think about people. Or look at, are you looking for your validation from people? Are you looking for your value and your worth from people? Is much of your online time spent trying to impress people? There might need to be some uprooting. What's the driving force when you get up in the morning? Is it for a paycheck? Is it for stuff? Is it for the next trip? Is it, is it, what, what is it that, that is driving you? Is it Jesus or something else? You might need to do some uprooting. It might not look bad from the surface, but it's what's happening in your heart and your mind that is really the issue. So how do we grow outside of the greenhouse? We've got to plant ourselves wisely. We've got to do some weeding. And then thirdly, we need to feed ourselves. All right, so in order for a plant to grow, it needs to feed. It needs to take in the things that's good for it. It needs water. It needs nutrients. It needs sunshine. You can buy miracle Grow or whatever it is that, it's, you know, that you need to buy for it. I don't know how much of that actually works. It all seems like a crock to me. But anyway, at a greenhouse... They know how to feed their stuff properly. They're using all the right things. They get this intricate hose system all set up to go off at the right time so that they're getting water and all the stuff they need. Um, we, we were at Canadian Tires Greenhouse, and there were bags of fertilizer for sale. Uh, we bought one. We bought a bag of poop. This is literally what the bag said on it. We, we bought cow poop. I spent money on it. My, my money. On poop. 
People do that to make things grow. When you're desperate to see something grow, you will feed it whatever you think is going to help it grow, right? Now, this is another way the church is like a greenhouse. We want to feed you, right? We, we want to give you the things that we think are going to help you grow. And you'll hear people say, I got to get to church. I got to get fed. Got to go to church and get fed. It's going to be great. And that, that is true. You also should eat the other six days of the week. Come to church to get fed. That's great. I hope you eat between Monday and Saturday also. That's going to be really important for you to do. And so you've got to have a steady diet that's going to carry you through. What are you feeding yourself so that you continue to grow? Notice that the shrubs in the desert had nothing to help them grow. They had no water. There was nothing in the soil that was helping them. It was just scorching sunshine all the time. And so they didn't grow. The plant that was flourishing was planted literally by a stream. It had a constant source of water. It was constantly being fed. It said its roots went deep into the water. And so it wasn't dependent on someone coming to water it. Yeah, after a while, you don't have to water trees. Did you know that? They just grow. They, they just take in the rain and they take in the sunshine. They get to a spot where they're healthy and they are self-sufficient. I don't grow. I don't, I don't water any of the plants in the woods around my house. That would be insane to do. They're doing just fine. They're 48 feet tall, and they're not going to die. And so that expectation is actually the same on followers of Jesus. There are are all kinds of grace for people who are new to the faith, and they make a decision to follow Jesus. They're new to the church. They're new to Scripture. They're new to how things work, and we should be patient with them and kind with them and understanding with them. That's wonderful. At a certain point, guess what? You're not a new Christian anymore. No one knows where that line is. No one celebrates that line. Today, you have graduated. No one does that. But at some point, you go from new Christian to not new Christian. You go from needing to be fed and led to to, you probably should know how to do this on your own by now. We, We talk about how people are baby Christians, which is kind of a funny phrase, but we actually get it from Scripture. Hebrews 5.13 says, Someone who lives on milk is still an infant, and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So they've had training, they've had work, they, they put some stuff into it, and they learned, and now they're up to meat. That's great. But if you're still back at the milk stage, after a certain point, you probably should be graduating along. He said there's, there's a difference between new Christians and, and mature Christians. Uh, But then he go back a verse, and he says this in verse 12, and he's speaking to his church. He said, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. So this guy is lamenting. He's like, you guys should be so much further than you are. You should be teaching other people, but instead, I'm going back again to the basics of faith and to the basics of God. You're you're still drinking milk. You should be up to meat by now. And I love that line. He said, you ought to be teaching others. In, In other words, the expectation for a mature Christian is that we are all engaged in discipleship, that we would all be engaged in helping other people develop in their faith. We should be multiplying ourselves. Jesus didn't say, go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. And that calling was on all of us. 
We need to be making disciples. You're supposed to take the things that you have learned through your years of faith and your years of church, and you're supposed to to not just hoard them to yourself, but actually transfer them to other people so that they can grow too. So another question for us today, are there people in your life that you are pouring into with your faith? Who's benefiting from your maturity in Christ? It's a good good question for every Christian. Who is benefiting in your life right now from your maturity in Christ? Are we making disciples? Are there people in here where the writer of Hebrews would would say, you ought to be teaching people by now. I don't want to go back to the basics. So yes, come to church and get fed. It's great. But also go home and eat. It's great. We need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how to feed ourselves, and we need to learn how to feed other people. The question is, how do we grow when we leave church? How do we make that happen? What, what does that look like? And, and the answer really isn't a how. It's more of a who. Right? Notice that the tree had deep roots that, that reached into the water. It was constantly connected to its source constantly connected to what it needed in order to live. Again, it didn't need to be watered. It was in the water all the time. And that's the key for us. Jesus called himself the living water. He said, I, I'm, I am what you need. And so we need to be constantly making sure that we are getting what we need from Jesus. Are you constantly attached to Jesus? Or are you constantly in communication with him, listening to him, talking to him, reading his words? Are you reaching deep into the water of life on a constant basis? Are you still showing up here years later, hoping to get watered a little bit? It says you've got to learn how to be connected to your source. These are the things that will grow your faith. You've got to be with Jesus. And it sounds so easy. It sounds so simple and basic. But it amazes me how many people express interest in wanting to grow with Jesus, but they don't dedicate any time to Jesus. If you want to grow with him, you need to spend time with him. That's how we're going to get healthy. Colossians 2.7 says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and will overflow with thankfulness. That's the growth we want, that, that we would have deep roots and that our life would be built on Jesus. It would be a strong foundation that we would be healthy and growing, but it needs to be a constant connection. Now, final thought on growth before we wrap up, and it's this, is that growth isn't always visible to everyone, is it? Growth isn't always visible to everyone. Uh, Much of your good, important growth happens beneath the surface, just like a plant, just like a tree. A A tree is only as strong as its roots. And so the same is true for us. Where you're growing the most is in our roots. It's, It's down deep, but that's invisible to people. People might not necessarily see it. It might not be super obvious. And so don't worry about growing in some kind of obvious capacity that everyone can see it. Don't worry about looking a certain level of, of religious. Don't, don't worry about appearing that you're a certain level of, of spiritual or whatever it is. Some of your best, deepest, most important growth might be invisible to all of the people around you. But you need to have strong roots. So focus on the growth that might not seem so obvious. Focus on the growth that might not seem so uh, interesting to people or fun or whatever it is that it might look. You need to do what you need to do to grow in your faith. It's hard work, but it's worth it. God will bless it. 
he will grow. The Bible says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. That is a promise from scripture. So you, you won't draw near to him and get nothing. You, you won't put your roots into deep water and come up empty. You will get fed, you will learn, you will grow, and you will flourish in your faith. Sometimes it's just happening below the surface. It's not always going to be neat and tidy. Have you ever seen the roots of a plant? It is messy. It is chaotic. Don't expect your growth to look like this, right? Your spiritual growth is probably going to look a little bit like this all along the way, right? You're going to have seasons where you're growing and flourishing and the scripture's coming alive and it'll be great. And then you'll have seasons where it feels a little bit more like the desert. And, and, and you'll have to pray and trust that God is still there and he's still the living water. You'll have seasons where it's up and down and all over the place. But what, what matters is that we keep pursuing Jesus. What matters is that we make sure we're doing the things that are required so that we can continue to grow deep and strong in our faith. So how do we grow outside of the greenhouse? We plant ourselves wisely. We weed ourselves regularly. We feed ourselves constantly. And if you do that, we will be like trees planted by a riverbank with deep, healthy roots. It says flourishing in season and out of season. Its leaves are always green. It's always bearing fruit. The evidence is always going to be there that we are people who are with Jesus. So a greenhouse, it's a great place for a plant. You came to the greenhouse today. I hope it's been great. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you worshiped. I hope you prayed. I hope you laughed. I hope you get to hang out with one another. It's good for your faith. In about 12 minutes, we're leaving. And what matters is what's going to happen when you get home. What matters is what's going to happen tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Dig deep. Do what you need to do to grow in your faith with Jesus. The kingdom of God is depending on it. We've got important work to do, and we need to make sure that we're healthy for the journey. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, you're so good, and you've been so patient with us and so kind to us on our journeys. And I just pray right now, I know that there's people in this room who are probably all over the kind of the, the growth spectrum. Maybe we have new Christians in here. Maybe we've got people that have been Christians for decades. Maybe we've got people who they're so excited about how they're growing right now. And then there are other people who feel like they are in the desert. God, I just pray for all of these people that, that you would make yourself known to them today, that, that you would be there this week in an obvious, tangible way, that you would speak to them, encourage them, build their faith, uh, help them to grow in their faith, make your, your scriptures come alive to them, help them surround themselves with people that will encourage them in their faith and hold them accountable for, for the things that they need held accountable for. God, I, I just, I pray for the strength and the health of our church I pray that we would get deeper in our walk with you, that our roots would grow deeper, that we would be constantly attached to you, Father. Teach us new things, take us new places, and strengthen us for the journey ahead. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.